The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. I have a nice box here, and it is a box of stuff from my past. Does anybody have a box of stuff that you have kind of carried around with you from house to house, move to move, that you've got, you know, items that you've been carrying with you for decades, and you're not sure, you know, why you still have them, but you have them. Do you have that box? Or at least maybe multiple boxes, I don't know. Well, uh, in my box of stuff that I've moved multiple times, um, <clears throat> is my 2000 authentic Purdue football game hammer. This is to prove to you that I am not a fair weather fan today. Boiler up, there you go. Even, even if we have a tough week, uh, we're still fans. And along those lines, just to prove to you, I have a Mike Allstott jersey. You can't stop him on the goal line. He's going to score, right? So this is Mike Allstott. You know, if you got the first reference, you get the second one too. Uh, Also, I have my um, Cubs Mark Grace starting lineup. First baseman for the Cubs in the 1990s. This is over 30 years old. I'm sure this is very valuable. Um, You got to love the Cubs. So uh, I have lots of sporting memorabilia if you didn't gather that, Uh, but I have other stuff too. Um, This is my uh, little mariachi band member from Mexico commemorating my first mission trip in 2004. So there you go. So I have all kinds of stuff that I have carried with me my whole life. And I've added stuff to that. And I'm sure you have that same thing. But do you have stuff that you carry with you that isn't like tangible stuff that fits in a box? But maybe it's a mistake that you've made. Maybe it's a decision, a conversation, a relationship that didn't go the way that you wanted. Maybe it's just baggage. Something else that you carry with you, and you've had it for a long time. Do you have those things too? I do. I think we all do. We all carry things with us, not just physical stuff, but we carry stuff, don't we? Well, as we have jumped into the book of Psalms, Together for the last few weeks, we've been reading Psalms together. We've been teaching about the Psalms. Uh, We have discovered that God desires to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. With you. With all of that being said, he still wants a relationship with you. And as we've been reading this book, we've seen how there are some really helpful instructions how to have that relationship with God, how we can live this out. It's not the only place that we go, but we've seen all kinds of ways that we can engage that personal relationship as we've been reading Psalms and been reading this poetry. And I know many of you, you've dug right into this. You have loved it. You've been taking notes in these journals. Maybe you didn't get one, but you've been following along um, on our reading plan and you're just loving reading the poetry in God's word. And there are others of you out there today thinking, I didn't sign up for poetry. This is new to me. I didn't know that we were doing poetry in Psalms, but this is poetry, friends. So thank you for taking a step, even if it's maybe not your most comfortable step. We are studying poetry together. And as if that wasn't maybe challenging enough for some of you, today we're going to study some poetry 
about our sin. So I know you're just super excited to jump into Psalm 32 with us as some people are heading for the exits to go to the BMV, I think, um, instead of being here. If you hang with us today, I think God is going to hopefully reveal some very important truths that we have to get if we are believers and Christians together. It is counterintuitive, but it is something that we must grab a hold of if we're going to have a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus. And it's this, I'll just tell you, it's we can trust that God covers our sins. He's going to cover all that box of stuff, all that junk that we have, when we uncover it. We're going to see David has a big box of stuff. And God covers sins when we uncover our stuff. That is what we're going to see. So in Psalm 32, turn there and we're going to jump in and see how our role is in covering and uncovering our sin and this stuff. So Psalm 32 verse 1 starts this way. A mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. So there's our word. It's covered. And that is what we all want. We all want sin covered. And so we all seek to cover sin. This is our nature. And David is coming on really fast and furious here this morning. He is very clear about what Psalm 32 is going to be about. It's about transgression. It's about forgiveness. It's about sin. It's about covering right here in verse one, all kinds of things that we just love talking about, but David knows it's important and God does too. And so we all know that we want to cover sin as verse one tells us, blessed is the one whose sin is covered. We know this because the things that we have that we like to cover up, um, we want those things covered up. We don't want to share those with the world. We want to present maybe the best parts of us, not the worst sins, the things we don't want to be defined by. So we want to cover up the junk and the stuff in our life. That's just natural and normal. That means you're normal. And so there's a couple things about sin. I don't think I really need to take a whole lot of time convincing you um, as we jump into this chapter about sin, that one, we sin. Romans 3.23, we need to understand what the scriptures teach about sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, I don't think I need to convince you of that. We know that we are sinful people. We make decisions that we regret. We do things that we know we shouldn't do. We cross boundaries that we know we shouldn't. And so we sin. We know this. The other thing, we cover it. We want to hide our sin. And that is what David is tapping into here. And we can go all the way back to the beginning in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve, the first people, sinned, they disobeyed God. What did they do? They had a relationship with God. They sinned. They hid. They went hiding from the Lord. They covered themselves up because that's our nature. We want to hide 
when our sin is found out. We want to cover these things that are shameful in our past. That is how we're wired. That's how Adam and Eve did it and how we have really since then. And so as we move forward in Psalm 32, it's talking about sin, but it uses a lot of different language, a few different terms that maybe you've heard of if you read thoroughly throughout the scriptures, especially in Psalms, that we need to understand what David is talking about. And he uses a couple different words for sin. He talks about sin. And what is sin? Well, as a definition, sin is really a term uh, from archery that there is a target, that there is a bullseye, and that if you don't hit the bullseye, you've missed the mark. And that's what sin means. It means you've missed that mark. That's what sin means. And sin throughout scripture and here in in chapter 32 is really an umbrella term. There's all kinds of things that fit into this bucket of sin. And I would like you to think of it today in these terms. If it was a color, Sin is kind of red, okay? And there's lots of different kinds or shades of red that would help us understand redness, I guess. But uh, there are other terms of sin here. Transgression, verse one. We'll see in verse two, iniquity. Those are helping us understand a different shade of sin. So transgression would be like crimson. And iniquity would be like scarlet, okay? And transgression, the little nuance that helps us see it a little differently is that transgression means that you have crossed something. You have passed a boundary that you shouldn't have crossed. And you know you've crossed it. Or maybe you don't know that you've crossed it, but you still have crossed a boundary. You've transgressed it. Also, iniquity. Another term used here. It refers to a state of being that you have iniquity and you can't get rid of it. And if you have iniquity, it brings forth more iniquity. We want to get rid of that, but we have it. So again, maybe thinking about that analogy in terms of color, like sin is like red and these other phrases or uh, terms help us see a little more differently um, about our sin and what it looks like in our life. So no matter what shade of sin we have or what we call it, we all have this desire to cover it up. We want to cover it up, no matter how red it is. But there's a problem. We have a hard time covering it up well. And David goes there in Psalm 32. He says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. He knows that's the right way. Verse three, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. He talks about in verses three and four, this experience when he was silent, when he wasn't sharing or uncovering his sin, he's saying he had bones that were wasting away. He was groaning all day long. 
I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you have a secret or something that you have done that, that you really feel like you should share or, or something that is going to be found out and you're holding that in. It is just eating you away. That is the experience David is describing, that you can't do that. You waste away. You groan all day long that our desire is to cover sin, but the problem is that we can't cover it. We can try to cover it, but it eats us away like David is describing. And I think you understand this. I know you've had secrets out there that uh, you just couldn't keep to yourself. I mean, it gets, the truth gets exposed eventually. And so in order to find some examples for this that I thought you might be able to relate with, I thought, why not turn to the internet to help us see some of the secrets that maybe some of you have had out there today that have been exposed I know there's someone out there today that had a secret Snickers stash and it was just found out. It was in the freezer under the edamame bag. We found it, okay? Your secret is now out there in the open and I don't want any ideas out there, fellas. This is not for you to now have a secret stash of Snickers. This is exposing it. We found a three-year-old's secret stash with a gun, a knife, and cash, and we don't really know what to do with that information. What do we do with that secret? I don't know. I know there's a gentleman out there that um, was not sticking to his diet, and um, (laughs) you just watched Shawshank Redemption, I think, and and took a cube, put your pizza in there, but it's not going to work. Your secret is found out. And of course, there is the wife out there who has all kinds of secrets, but this is getting ridiculous, I think. (laughs) Okay? You know how it works. It doesn't matter how trivial your secret is, if it's food-related or anything else, your secrets will be found out. It's just how it works. You can't keep that stuff inside. Your bones waste away. You can't cover it, and that's a problem. So if you're thinking to yourself, I don't have any secrets, I don't have any bad habits, I don't have anything that I've been covering up, I'm pretty much an open book. That may be true, but I have a challenge for you. At lunch today, I want you to ask your spouse if there's anything that you need to work on today. Or maybe the person that you're living with, um, a, a, a family member, a sibling, uh, whoever that may be, someone that knows you well. What are those things in your life? If you're thinking, I don't have anything, I'm sure they can help you at lunch, okay? They can help you. I know they can. So our desire for covering sin is there, but we can't do it. And that's a problem. What do we do with that stuff? What do we do with it? You see, that's really a theme of all scripture from Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve sin and they want their sin covered. How does God solve this problem? That is really the focus of all scripture. How do we handle this problem that we have? And David helps us see it in a new way today. Verse five, he tells us this. 
I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You see, there's something so counterintuitive about what David is saying. Even though we have this desire to cover, to keep up, to push away, to hide the things that we do that maybe no one else notice, David says, acknowledge it. David says, don't cover it up. David says, confess it. To who? To the Lord. That even though our tendency is to push that stuff down, the way of the Lord is not what we think. It's to uncover it. And as we see what happens, verse 5, he says, as we uncover this stuff, he says, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That is the beauty of the God that we serve. As that as we open this stuff up, God is faithful to forgive it. That as we uncover the stuff in our heart, in our life, the habits, the thoughts, the things that we see, the things that we've done, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. That is what the scriptures claim. And there are implications for this. David continues, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. He's encouraging you, uncover that stuff. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him, but you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. You see, David is saying, I know the way of the world is cover things up, hide things, run away from that stuff, pretend like it doesn't happen. But he says, how's that working for you? It doesn't work. It eats you away. But God says there can be freedom from all the stuff that we're ashamed of if we are honest with God. Uncover it to him. He already knows it. But this is for us. Because if we don't uncover it, we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're managing it. And so when we confess our sins and we turn to God and we're honest with him, it's not to let him know something that he doesn't know. That's silly. That's not how it works. It's, it's so that we can experience what he describes in verse 7, that he is the one who covers us, that he is the one who is our hiding place. He is the one who preserves us. He is the one who is our strength, our shield, our refuge, and our deliverance. That is the stuff that we read over and over again in the Psalms. And he's saying, you cannot experience it if you're trying to cover it yourself. You have to uncover it so that God can cover it. And then you will have freedom and forgiveness from it. That is good news. And God does not stop there. Because that's what we know we need. We kind of all have that sense, cover our sin, and we try to do it ourselves, but now we know that God covers. When we read in Psalm 32, there's actually more that God wants to do than even just covering our sin. 
What does he want to do? Keep going. Verse 8. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart." You see, God wants to use those things from our past, those mistakes that we've made, the things that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to deal with, to do something. He wants to do verse 8 in our life. He wants to instruct you. And if we're not honest about what's in our box of stuff, he is not going to be able to instruct us very well. God could deal with the stuff in the box, but if we're not honest in uncovering it, it's a lot harder to learn from it. And that's part of what we're doing when we confess and we repent, is that we turn from the things that we've done and the things that we carry, and we learn from that stuff. Because again, God wants to do something so much more. And I know this is hard to believe than even just forgive your sins, which that's amazing. But if you go back to verse two in Psalm 32, he he says this, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. So in other words, blessed is the person who is forgiven. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And he says, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So he says, it's blessed to be forgiven, but there's also something else that he wants for his people to have a heart, a spirit where there's no deceit, to have a heart, to have a spirit that is pure, to have one that I would say is like verses eight and nine that has learned from all the stuff in our past that not only are we forgiven, but we're heading a new direction. See, we see that not only do we need pardon, forgiveness for our sins, but we need instruction. We need innocence. We need purity. We want to move away from all that stuff that we carry. And we need this. We need it covered And then we need a new direction. And this is how it happens. And that's amazing. You see, many people say that Psalm 32 is like a companion psalm of Psalm 51. And many of you are like, well, what's Psalm 51? You can go and read that. But Psalm 51 is another psalm of King David. But it was the psalm that he wrote and probably his darkest moment in his life. The moment where his deepest, darkest secret, the stuff that was in his box of junk, was exposed. His adultery, his murderous plot was exposed. And he wrote that psalm begging for mercy from the Lord. 
And many people say that this psalm goes part and parcel with that, that this was immediately after that he received and experienced that forgiveness, that he is writing this psalm explaining how amazing it is when your sin is covered. That how really what God wants is to cover our sin and to help us forge a new way so that we don't get into those trouble spots in the future because that's what God wants for us. And so I don't know what's in your box of junk today. I don't know what you've carried on your shoulders for years or maybe decades. I don't know what secret things you have done. And it doesn't matter that I don't know that. Because God knows it. I want you to be encouraged today because I doubt you have a box of stuff that's as messy as King David (laughs) That's a pretty messy box of stuff. But God said, it's covered. You just can't cover it on your own. God says, I want to instruct you, David. He's saying the same thing to you. If you uncover it, confess it to God, and learn what he wants to teach us, you have a new way, and you have a new found freedom in Christ, in a relationship with God. You see, that's what's so beautiful about this psalm. And when we put this together with what we know through what uh, is clearly taught throughout the scriptures, that there is nothing that you have in your past that is beyond the scope of God's forgiveness. Romans 8.1 says this, so now there is No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There is no condemnation in Christ. No condemnation. We can have assurance that our sin is dealt with because Jesus covered it. It's him. It's his work on the cross that paid for our junk that it's forgiven, and that there is a new way. And so I know this is a lot. I know that this is a lot to think about. You're thinking, this is a holiday weekend. I didn't really want to think about all my baggage today. Um, I know it's a lot. Um, So what do we do? What do we do with all of this? How do we apply this to our life? If we know that God's going to cover stuff that we uncover, what What do we do with that? Well, I heard a list of things, really rules, that I thought were really helpful um, from another pastor, Steve Deneff from College Church in Marion, Indiana. And I tweaked his list and wanted to share it with you about how to um, deal with the uncovering and covering of our sin. Um, A couple things. One, it's not what you did. It's what you do next. That's what I hear David saying, that just like there's a horse or a mule that's stubborn and wants to do the same thing over and over, and we, if we're riding, you know, you have to correct that horse. We don't be stubborn like that horse, like that mule. It's not about what you did in the past. There's nothing that God doesn't already know. It's about what you're doing next, that what God is really looking for in your life is how you respond in this moment. Because he's saying, if you just uncover, acknowledge, confess your sins, he is faithful to cover it. 
That's what Psalm 32 says. Also, when you sin, it's not a judge that you're dealing with. It's a father. I don't know if any of you struggle with this kind of thinking, but we know God is in control. We know that God is just and that he is a judge. And when we mess up, do we think about our relationship with God primarily with him as a judge, with you know, a gavel in hand ready to pronounce condemnation? Romans 8 tells us that is not his posture. He has dealt with the just part by sending Jesus. God is a father who loves you. And so when we sin, we don't go to the justice bench per se. We do, but one that is our heavenly father who loves us and wants to shape us and instruct us like a dad. That is who we're dealing with. Third, God offers forgiveness for sins. If you're talking about this, we see this, but he is after your heart. He wants you. That's what he cares about. He wants your heart, that we need instruction just as much as the forgiveness, and that without that instruction, we're going to face more and more pain, and so he really wants our heart because his ways are better than our ways. He's not there just to punish you. See, I heard... um, the former Colts coach, Tony Dungy, uh, many of you remember him, um, and he would talk about how he would handle players that just totally mess up on the football field. People that would do like the worst thing, like fumble on the goal line, miss the extra point, uh, miss the tackle that leads to the game-winning touchdown for the other team, stuff like that. And he would say, I would ask those players three questions before they could go back in the game. And he said, they're very simple. What happened out there? He said the player had to at least acknowledge what happened. Well, coach, I fumbled the ball. (laughs) Okay, what should you have done? Um, Well, not fumbled the ball, but maybe held it with two hands. (laughs) Good, good, you're getting getting there. So what are you gonna do next time, son? And And then the player should say, I'm going to hold the ball with two hands. Well, good. Get back out there, he'd say. And that was his strategy. It's not punishing you. It was using those mistakes to teach you to get back in the game. And I think that's so helpful that that is really God's posture to us. It's like a father, like a coach saying, I've already covered your sin. I want to help you deal with all this stuff. You don't need to carry it but I want you to learn from it. And lastly, it's not what we confess. It's when we confess it. That matters a whole lot. Again, you're not gonna say anything that God doesn't already know. He already sees and knows everything. So we're not gonna surprise him. But it's important that we confess our sins to God as soon as we can. Because that is what he wants for us. He wants us to learn from it so that we're freed from it. Because we can't cover it anyway. So when we uncover our sins, we can trust that God will always be faithful to cover them. So the question for us is how do we hold those things? And my fear, because this is something that I have done for many years 
was that I treated my relationship with God a lot like a checklist. You know, you've got my checklist of, did I read my Bible today? Did I pray today? Did I mess up today? I should probably confess that today at the end of the evening. And okay, I did that. I feel good. I can go to bed. And those are all good things. But what I see as I'm reading the Psalms, and I'm reading Psalm 32, is that God wants a relationship. He's already there, ready to cover your sins. He's there to help you. He wants maybe us to ask questions more along these lines. Did I experience the love of God today? Did I have fellowship with him today as I was reading his word? Did I really sense that he was speaking to me? Is there something that is between me and him that I do need to confess so that I can uh, learn in the way that he wants me to? Not out of obligation, but because I love him and he loves me. That is the heartbeat behind it. And that's why it's so important that we have this rhythm of confession and repentance as believers. Because we all have that stuff. And we can really offer it to God. Open it up. And he'll cover it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We thank you that your ways are so different than how we do things. We would not think to uncover our sin. But yet you say, when we do that to you, it's the path to freedom. God, use the stuff in our boxes to teach us, to shape us in the ways that you want us to. Use them powerfully in our hearts and draw us to you as we seek your forgiveness. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to do something a little different. So I want to push you out of your comfort zone just a little. You may have noticed that we haven't taken the Lord's Supper together as a church. That's something that we do every single Sunday. And so I'm going to have, in just a minute, I'm going to have the servers pass out uh, the elements, the cup with uh, a cracker and a cup of juice. Now, I want um, you to take a few minutes as things are being passed. I want you to just have a moment and be challenged by what David was saying, how he was modeling sin and how he confessed it to God. And I want you to think about that as we hold these elements. And I also want you to hold on to it together because I have something I want to do later together before we take it all in unison. So in the next few moments, just take a moment, quiet your heart, and uncover anything before God that you feel like he's leading you to.